Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, where we talk about all things self-care for those of us who are, let's face it, too busy for self-care. It's time to bring that same compassion that you offer to everyone else in your life to yourself as well. In this podcast, you'll hear real-life stories of how self-care transformed people's lives as they were going through life's storms. You'll learn practical, actionable tools to begin the self-care journey yourself as well. Because like I always say, small changes make a large impact. I'm your host, Dr. Sheetha Lajmani. I'm a physician, best-selling author, and the founder of Radiant Living Institute. Through my signature program, Reclaim Your Radiance, you'll reclaim your worth, renew your energy, and restore your happiness in your life, career, and relationships. To get started, download your free guidebook, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life at RadiantLivingInstitute.com. Quick disclaimer before we get started, the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not medical advice. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific situation. Now, let's get started. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Malathi Acharya to the Essential Self-Care Podcast. Dr. Malathi is the founder of Ayur Integrative Medicine, a holistic integrative medicine practice based out of Silicon Valley, California. Through her services, she aims to help you achieve optimal health and wellness through personalized care. Today, Dr. Malathi will be sharing a bit about her self-care journey. Welcome to the Essential Self-Care Podcast, Dr. Malathi. Thank you, Dr. Ajmani. It's a pleasure to be with you today this afternoon. And thank you for giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. And thank you for coming on and being willing to share a bit of your self-care journey with us today. Now, not too long ago, you were in a situation where you had to examine your own self-care practices. Can you tell us a little bit more about what was going on at that time and the self-care modalities you turned to? Self-care became an absolute priority for me during the early days of the COVID pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. There were a lot of things that was going on in my mind at that time. The most important being the safety of my loved ones. My parents live in India. You know, the fact that travel was shut down between the countries, their safety, what was going to happen to them, the safety of my loved ones. So there were a lot of things going on. And I very soon realized that if I didn't do something for myself, I was going to go under. And that's when I turned into self-care. I turned to self-care to kind of get me out of the situation and to help me function and effectively help others because I was after all a frontline physician at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you share that because, you know, obviously that time frame was difficult on so many of us and for so many different reasons. And I think honestly, even now to this day, so many of us are still grappling with that, grappling with what that meant and processing it because it was an experience that was like no other. And so I think that so many of us are still processing the grief, the trauma, how it just shook up our own sense of, as you mentioned, kind of our own sense of security and safety and that for our loved ones as well. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. So during that time, what sort of self-care practices did you turn to? What sort of things did you find most helpful? 
You know, right about that time, a few months into the COVID-19 pandemic was when I started doing my integrative medicine fellowship at Andrew Wales Center for Integrative Medicine. And as I was going through my study units, I started picking on one or two things that resonated with me and I started putting them into practice. In the first unit of study material, I came across, you know, they talk a lot about spirituality and they talked about prayer meditation. And one of the exercises was, hey, you know, if this is something that resonates with you, try your prayer meditation and try and do it in the morning, you know, at a time when you could give yourself that dedicated time. So I thought back and one of the thoughts that was going through that mind was my the safety of my parents far away in India. And I know there was this prayer that my mom used to say, and I've heard my mom say as I was growing up. So I started saying that prayer. I start, I actually started listening to it on YouTube. That's all I did. Um, and I started doing it in the morning as I was getting ready. So I had, you know, I had this YouTube video on the airport and I was hearing these words and the prayer was in my native language of Tamil. And it was as if I was hearing my mother's voice. So, you know, this and early morning is always a time when there's a lot of chatter going on in my mind. Oh, my God, how's today going to be? What am I going to encounter today in my practice? Uh, you know, what else do I have to manage at home? How am I going to balance, you know, home and work? And this, listening to this prayer would quieten down all that chatter and help me focus. So it started being a mindfulness starter practice for me to start the day off and it also gave me this as if I was listening to my mother as if I had this invisible attachment to my mother and before those 30 minutes I want to just pause right there if that's okay because just as you're explaining this I mean our listeners can't see me but I just feel tears almost coming to my eyes because I, I don't know if you realize even just how powerful that is what you shared but it was so powerful that for me, it, it's, it is bringing tears to my eyes because in Ayurveda, we, Ayurveda, for those of you who may not be familiar, is the ancient, it's actually the ancient medical system of, of India that goes back well over 5,000 years and is now often practiced as, as modalities and, and a beautiful framework for self-care and wellness. However, one of the principles and ideas with Ayurveda is to get back to basics and get back to what our ancestors did, to living in ways that our ancestors did towards engaging in practices, spiritual practices included of our ancestors. And so it's just so powerful to me that during that time, you connected with this prayer in your native language, one that your mother recites often. And just the, there is a tremendous amount of power in connecting with whatever your background is, connecting with your native background, what your ancestors did. There is just incredible, incredible power in that. And in this moment, I can't find another way to explain it, but it is just so powerful if in whatever way for anyone listening right now, and again, no matter what your background is, connecting with what is native to you, what is native to your ancestors is a powerful practice. If you find even just one quote unquote small thing or small aspect of that, just as Dr. Malathi was explaining with this single prayer that she recited during that time, you can see and you can hear it in her voice and how she explained how powerful that was for her. And so I just want to really emphasize that because that is such a big 
part in the Ayurvedic philosophy and practices as well, and a powerful part. I also liked that you shared that as you were going through this program, this integrative medicine fellowship, you started to just pick one or two things out of each unit at a time to try. And that is something that I always encourage people to do when I'm working with them in workshops and and when I'm working with clients one-on-one is to pick just one or two things to work on, to begin to integrate, to begin to incorporate into your life and see how it feels. Because so often you can take, you can look at a huge list of things that you can do for your self-care and it can quite honestly feel very overwhelming. So overwhelming that you end up not doing any of it. But when you pick just one or two small things, start to integrate it into your life, see how it feels. If it feels good, continue it. If it doesn't, leave it and continue on to another thing. But that's also the easiest and best way for it to actually become habit and become part of your routine. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes when we start, you know, these are all the things I want to do. And we start doing too many things. It's like, what do I do when? And the, you know, the anxiety turns from one thing into how am I going to do all of this? But if what I did was I, as I was going through the units, I picked up one thing and I started with that. Establish that habit. That habit continued even after other things changed. Like for example, the yoga practice, right? At that time for a brief period, we, we did mainly virtual clinics. For a very brief period, it was completely virtual until we could get things going. And at that time was the opportunity that I started learning yoga. You know, I, it was an online portal that I started learning yoga with the teachers from India. And since it was virtual work, I could have it from 6.30 in the morning to 7.30 and still get ready for work at 8.30, you know, in front of my laptop. And yoga is, I mean, Dr. Ajmani, I don't have to, you know, extol the virtues of yoga. It is a wonderful mind-body technique. And as I started doing those classes, it became a routine for me. And once we transitioned into in-person clinics again, I still had this habit established. So I would still do 7.30 to 6.30 to 7.30 yoga. I would rush, get dressed and show up in my clinic at 8.30. It was just so worth it. And as I, you know, so I saw where I started in my yoga practice, what were my weaknesses. And as I gradually did them, I became stronger and stronger. So as I looked in and I looked at my strength, and how I was improving, I translated that physical improvement with yoga that I was actually seeing in front of me into other challenges that I had to overcome. There were so many new things, so many new protocols that we had to adapt to the, during that time. You know, testing was scarce, so we had to come up with a protocol of who to test, and that criteria will change. And then how do we triage the sick people? This practice of yoga that gave me the confidence, okay, if I can do this, if I am improving in my practice, so I can conquer this challenge. You know, that's how I translated the benefit of yoga. And then later on in the chapter, they talk about environmental tracks, toxins, you know, good to grow house plants. I started buying small house plants and started learning them. I killed a lot of them, uh, you know, initially, but then I started learning. And then in the evening, I would sit with a cup of coffee near my house plant. You know, that was my way on the days that I couldn't go out for a walk. It was my way of being near my plant, which to me represented nature and just mm-hmm. taking a quiet time. So small little things. And, you know, that translates into big results for me. I can confidently say that I was able to survive that really tough professional and personal period because of these practices. I want to reflect on some of what you shared there. 
Well, first of all, of course, there's so much that I could also say about yoga and mind-body practices. But one thing that really came to my mind as you were sharing your experience with that and how your practice of yoga in the mornings translated to how you faced challenges with work and the very rapidly changing situation within healthcare during that time. One of the things that came to me was this idea that we talk about in personal development, this phrase that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so what came to me and why that phrase came to me in my mind as you were sharing that is that everything is related. So if you begin to integrate or incorporate a practice for you, say it was this one hour morning yoga practice and how Mm -hmm. you were facing, looking at this practice for yourself, practicing some elements of mindfulness, how am I going to approach these different poses, right? Mm -hmm. That sort of problem solving, that creativity, that mindfulness that you brought to your yoga practice for that one hour each morning, how you do anything is how you do everything that same mentality, that same mindfulness then translates into other aspects of your life. It's like when I'm teaching meditation classes, I always say that the effects of meditation are really cumulative, right? And that even a quote unquote short practice the effects, that mindfulness, that lasts even throughout other parts of your day, right? And so that's something that came came to me when you shared that part of your experience. And then the part of bringing nature into your home and intentionally spending time with nature. So we know as well that there is so many benefits related to that to bringing nature into indoor spaces, to exposing yourself to nature, to going out in nature, simply that nature exposure itself has so many benefits. And is also something that we talk about in Ayurveda, as I had mentioned before, of kind of going back to basics, not only to things and practices that your ancestors did, uh, but along with that is that our ancestors spent time in nature's circadian rhythms and in nature. And there are amazing, tremendous healing benefits through that as well. And so you had shared that you wholeheartedly believe that engaging in these practices really helped you get through that difficult time. Can you share a little bit more? What I'm interested to hear about is how you felt like specific, a little bit more specifically of of how you felt through engaging in those practices. Like, for example, you shared that through the yoga practices, you felt like you were able to kind of take on and face many of the challenges in your clinical situation. But how, in other ways, how did you feel maybe more at peace or joyful or, or what other sort of shifts did you notice through engaging these practices? One of the biggest shifts that I felt was at a time when work was overwhelming, everybody was anxious, people were coming down with COVID. There was just so much going on. And many, many times, you know, as a physician, I would feel like I was running out of steam. I was running out of compassion and empathy. And I know that I'm not the only one that faced that situation. So by spending that one hour in the morning, I had to carve out that one hour. It was not easy. I had to figure out when I would get up, when I would do the other things to get ready, when I would actually have the class and what all I needed to do after that and get to work. So so I spent all that energy to carve out that one hour in the morning to do my yoga or, you know, going out for a walk, no matter what, my in-basket would be overflowing, but I would still stop at that moment, come back home and my husband and I would go for a walk out in the evening outdoors or 
or it might have been a really tough day, but I would come back home, make my cup of coffee and come and sit near in my sunroom near my rubber plant. And, you know, that five, 10 minutes of pause. What I was doing was I was giving myself importance. I was giving myself the same kindness and regard that I always give others and I'm expected to give others, you know, my patients when I go to work. So when I did this, I felt like I was giving myself the importance. So I felt like that renewed my compassion and empathy. So next morning when I went to work, I had this renewed, you know, jar of compassion and empathy to use that day for my patients, which made my day go much easier. And I hope that I touched a lot of my patients that way too. So that's how this helped me. That's so and that's beautiful. what self-care does. It's a mirror neurons working. If I'm showing myself that empathy and I notice the change and how I feel after the self-care or self-empathy, then I'm able to, you know, give much to others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quite truly filling your cup so that you have something from which to give and to serve. And truly our profession, any healing prevent profession does require that we are con continually giving, continually demonstrating compassion, empathy, things like compassion fatigue does exist. Caregiver burnout does exist. And so finding ways to continue to fill our own cup as well. And it's also known that some of the specific practices that you incorporated with the mm -hmm. mindfulness, mind-body practices also specifically do increase our capacity of empathy and compassion as well. So Absolutely. you have shared so many wonderful insights from your journey. And I'm so appreciative of that. And I'm sure our listeners are as well. If anyone wants to learn a little bit more about you and the work that you're doing, where can they find you? You can find me on my website. It's www.ayur.today. And I'm going to spell that for you. It's A-Y-U-R dot today. My practice is called Ayur Integrative Medicine. I have three locations in the Silicon Valley and I do an integrative medicine-based consultation practice. You can also find my practice, Ayur Integrative Medicine, on Facebook as well as LinkedIn. Wonderful. And I will include all of those links in the show notes. Thank you again for coming on today and sharing your self-care journey with us. Thank you so much, Dr. Ajmani. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a positive review, and share this episode with someone you know. And remember, your free guide, Six Simple Yet Powerful Steps to Create Your Radiant Life, is waiting for you at radiantlivinginstitute.com. Download it today.